Welcome to Getting In, a college coach conversation hosted by Elizabeth Heaton. There are so many challenges involved in the college process, including choosing the right college, planning a payment strategy, creating a high school plan, and much more. The team of experts from College Coach are here to help you find some, if not all, of the answers you need. Now, here is your host, Elizabeth Heaton. Hi, everyone. Welcome to today's episode of Getting In a College Coach Conversation. I'm Sally Ganga of College Coach. What students from early high school to college be thinking about doing right now? To look at the immediate future, our second segment is going to be about what applicants should do now that they have submitted all their applications. Um, I'll be discussing this with Tova Tolman, a, co- a, co- uh, excuse me, a college coach colleague and veteran of admission offices from Columbia University to Fordham University. And for our third segment, my colleague Kimberly Aselta, who came to College Coach from Babson and the College of Holy Cross and died, the two of us will be discussing New Year's resolutions for students from ninth grade through college. We'll be focusing on those that will help you be successful as a student and in preparing to apply for college. And hopefully we'll be having a little fun with this one. We don't want it to be, you know, too overly serious, but there'll be some good advice in there too. First, however, I'll be talking with Lori Peltier, one of our finance consultants, about financial New Year's resolutions for both parents and students. And Lori has a son who only recently graduated from college, so she knows what she's talking about here. Uh, Welcome, Lori. Hi, Sally. Hi. And so I just want everybody to know that we are taping this ahead of time. We're taping it on December 18th of 2019. But because this is the New Year's show, Lori, I just wanted to wish you a happy 2020. I'll be the first one, right? <laughs> yes, you will. And I cannot believe it's 2020. And I know. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So let's go ahead and dive right in. And I do think you're especially a good person to talk about this. I mean, all of our colleagues are obviously well qualified, but um, I still remember the panel that your son was on and he even talked about how, you know, um, he was forced to apply for scholarships. It was very clear that you'd made him plan ahead and think about things. So I thought that was pretty great. So so anyway, uh, what are some finance-related New Year's resolutions that parents of high school students can commit to? Well, without sounding too preachy, um, because uh, New Year's resolutions are not really my thing, I have a very hard time keeping them, but I think we have a couple quick things that you could do um, now that it's January of 2020. First would be to review your college savings plans, if you have a 529 plan or other investments, and just take a tally of how much have you saved, how are the investments doing, are you getting a good return on your investment. A lot of people set up these accounts and kind of forget about them and don't look at them until it's time to pay for college. So take a look now. Um, It's a great time no matter what age your child is, but high school is a great time to really evaluate and then commit to making increased deposits. If you feel like you don't have enough money saved for college, then maybe it's time to evaluate your household budget and figure out how much more that you could contribute to have a set goal for high school graduation. Mm -hmm. And then on the... um, The second thing I would say for a parent of a high school student is to evaluate how much they're spending now on their child and commit to spending the same amount, at least, on a payment plan when their child goes to college. So taking a step back and saying, you know, for these sports programs, these travel elite sports programs or music classes or any kind of after-school activities or clubs or even just travel and food expenses for your child, how much are you already spending as a family? That expense is going to go away when they head off to college, and you could then redirect that money that you're already spending towards a payment plan at the college. But if you haven't really evaluated how much you're spending, you're not going to be able to figure out how much that is. Mm-hmm. So that's specifically for the parents of seniors, because they're, this is going to be happening really soon for them. Or are you recommending well, it for I think, really everybody? Go ahead. Yeah, I think any, any parent of a high school student, it's time to kind of look at that. I think for parents of seniors, it's a little different because you're right in the thick of things. You've probably submitted your applications, and it's kind of a, a wait-and-see period. January, February is tough because you're, you've done everything, and now it's just sit back and wait. Some of the financial aid awards don't come out until March. 
So, so January would be a good time for a parent of a senior to just double check. Have I done everything? Is my FAFSA form completed? Is my CSS profile form completed? Is the school requesting any additional documents from me like W-2 forms or um, tax returns from previous years? Just to double check that you've done everything. And then I think the other um, thing that a parent of a senior could do is to set up a comparison worksheet to be ready for when all those awards, whether they're merit or need-based awards, come in. So have a list of all the schools the student has applied to, where they are in the process, and then the cost for those schools. It's hard to predict because the schools don't tell their cost for September, usually till the end of March. But, you know, just an idea of what is this school going to cost so that when the offers come in, you'll have a spreadsheet ready to put the numbers in and be able to do a side-by-side comparison. Okay. All right. Great, Lori. That was really helpful. So what about for any students listening? Do you have any resolutions for them? I sure do, Um, although they may not want to hear them. But I would suggest that if a student is listening, have them set up a separate savings account and set an actual savings goal for them to meet. Most students are working over the summer, so it's great that they're working and they're earning money, but what are they doing with that money? So maybe set up a goal that the student must save 1000 or 2000 or even $3,000 over the summer and get it into that savings account so that you can count on that money to help pay for the first year of college books and transportation and extra expenses. The other thing I would recommend, and and I tried to do this with my own children and was not that successful, is to set a goal for how many scholarships they will apply for. Um, Both local and national scholarships are available. And it's very easy for a student to say, oh, I looked and I didn't find any scholarships that were, were a match for me. But if you commit to completing five scholarship applications, all of a sudden you are able to find at least five that might be uh, more of a match than the rest of them on the list. So, so having a goal for how many scholarship applications the student will complete by a certain date would be a good resolution for a student to set. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Great. And so if you already have a student in college, what kind of New Year's resolutions can they make? So I would think that if you have a student in college, most likely they are taking out student loans. So it's a good time to take a step back and evaluate how much has the student borrowed, how much has accrued in interest on the loans that they've borrowed, maybe committing to checking that loan balance every six months so it becomes a reality and you're not just ignoring it, and then um, committing to paying off any accrued interest on those loans. While a student is in school, student loans will accrue interest but they don't capitalize on top of the principal until they enter repayment. So if you can pay off that accrued interest before they enter repayment, uh, you'll be saving yourself some money in the long run. So that's one thing is, is to evaluate the student loan program. And then the other one that I thought of was to double-check their meal plan. Many students are, are paying quite a lot of money for a meal plan on campus, but they might not be using it to the fullest extent. Maybe they're skipping breakfast or not eating in the cafeteria on weekends, um, or maybe eating off campus a lot. So so evaluating their meal plan in January um, to see if maybe they can go on a smaller meal plan for the spring semester would be a good idea, a good way to save some money in the long run. The other area that I thought of was work-study. Uh, work study is usually awarded to a student in a lump sum. They can get 2000 or $3,000 that they can earn for the year. So double-checking with the payroll office on campus, uh, January is a good time to do that. How much did I earn in the fall? How much do I have remaining to earn in the spring? Can I increase the number of hours I'm working so that I'm getting the full work-study award that I was offered? And then... Um, for the student as well for spring term is the books, um, you know, really shopping around for the best prices on books. Don't be lazy and just go to the bookstore on campus. That's where the highest prices are. If you really want to save some money, get a jump start and look at the books online, possibly renting a book or buying a used book or even an electronic version of a book. And lastly, Mm -hmm. for the student and the parent would be to check and see if they qualify for any tax credits for either the interest on the student loans that they're paying or the tuition that they're paying. So when you're filing your taxes for 2019, make sure you double-check to see if there's any tax credits you might qualify for. 
Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right, great. And okay, so final wisdom from you as a parent who's been through the process. Any last thoughts about it? Well, I thought on, on this um, area, as a New Year's resolution, I remember when we were going through it, I had twins um, who were high school seniors going through the process. We made a commitment to not bug the student or harass the student or continually ask about the process every moment of every day. So we would set aside Wednesday nights at the dinner table was when we would talk college. Otherwise, you're talking about college 24-7. And as I mentioned, January, February, March is really kind of a sit back and wait and see, and it can be a very anxious time. So another good tip that I heard for parents of um, especially high school seniors is, is to have a, um, a worry time where a student could come to you with their worries and vent and just move on. They're not coming to you to, um, to get an answer. They just want to get out, you know, I'm worried about my essay. I'm worried about my application. I'm worried that I'm not going to get in or I'm worried that I didn't do well on that test. But don't try to fix the problem. Just let them, you know, express themselves and be a good listener and then move on. Because I think, you know, for many high school students, especially seniors, this time of year can be very stressful. Mm -hmm. I love both of those ideas. I mean, I can't stress enough how important it is to not let every conversation with your kid be about college. Um, And, yeah, I think the idea of letting them also come to you and, you know, just say, I'm stressed about this, but not not trying to solve it for them. I mean, that's one of the ways that you're going to help prepare them for college as well, is by helping them just express it and then maybe even figure it out for themselves, if possible. Correct. Yes. Okay. All right. Well, thank you so much, Lori. Um, we'll now be taking a short break. And when we return, I'll be talking with Tova Tolman about what seniors who have submitted their applications should be doing now. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. If you're a parent of a high school student, you've probably heard a lot of scary stories about college admissions, about the growing number of applicants, the shrinking number of spots, about how even valedictorians are being turned away. For families of hopeful college students, it's impossible not to worry. But at College Coach, we take the worry out. Our advisors are former senior admissions and college finance officers from all over the country, so they can give you advice that nobody else can about what classes to take, how to prepare for standardized tests, what options are available to pay for college, and most importantly, what admissions officers are looking for when they read an application. We've got more than 15 years of experience and a track record that's helped every single student get into college, most into their top choice schools. So make the decision to come work with College Coach and start your child down the road to the decision that really matters, the one in the envelope that says yes. Visit www.getintocollege.com forward slash getting dash in. Talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Getting In, a College Coach Conversation. To reach Elizabeth Heaton or her guest today, please call in to 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to gettingin.voiceamerica at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back, everyone, and welcome, Tova. So I don't think this topic is too complex. Often it's about reminding students and parents that most of what they need to do now is wait. So, Tova, what are your thoughts about this? Um, I think my thoughts are that, according to those Picky and Gerald books, waiting is hard. I don't know if you know those Mo William books, <laughs> but waiting is really hard. I think the most important thing to do is just exactly as you said, chill out, just wait. You're not going to hear anything immediately. And it, it takes some time for the colleges to process everything. So when you are waiting and you are trying to chill out, exhale, breathe, <laughs> and maybe spend a little bit of energy checking portals uh, with any information or links that they have provided to the families to make sure that everything is in. 
but in my experience, Sally, I don't know how it works at your schools, uh, it's not going to be up on the portal saying receive a minute after you hit submit. What kind of lag time did you see at your schools from when a student maybe sent something in to when it was showing on some sort of online tracking? Well, so I'm displaying how old I am that that wasn't even there a thing with many of the colleges <laughs> since I started in this 26 so when years the ago. Person but it, delivered a bin of documents and they sorted yeah. them and they alphabetized them. <laughs> yes, yes. No, fair yeah. enough. And and when it was when it was all there, um, you know, so that even we could look it up within the office because obviously we had computerized systems. It did. It took a couple weeks. I mean, it just simply takes a couple weeks. I don't think students realize. Like, I think they. Think think it's submitted that means it's automatically going to go there but even though it happens online or you know through computer systems these days there is still processing time that needs to happen and students also don't realize I think just how many students are applying to these schools so it's a huge amount of data to sort through Um, so yeah definitely relax check but don't worry that it's not there immediately yeah right because even when it does come electronically, we at um, the last two schools I worked at were exclusively online by that point. Uh, even if it's downloaded directly from Common App, to link it with your application was somewhat of a, not purely manual, but it required action that wasn't actually even taken daily on our operations staff team. It was like an every other day type of a thing. And then also, it took some time to run tests and like check for errors to understand the difference between a Sally Ganga and say, I don't know, a Sarah Ganga and realizing, wait a minute, the address is the same, the phone number is the same, and is our system sophisticated enough to realize in our 44,000 applications, this is actually one applicant, not two separate applications. So taking time to recognize, wait, her transcript is in a, one file and we have a whole separate file with her application and test scores. So if you do see something missing, and it has been a good 10 days or so, give it give it 10 days, maybe not two full weeks, and you see something missing that you know you have sent, that's not, that's not a problem. You can absolutely at that point call the school and say, hey, I'm pretty sure my transcript has been sent, but it's still showing as missing. Anyway, you could double check that or see if there's something else going on, especially if you have maybe a nickname or maybe a, a very common name, or maybe sometimes you go by a middle name on your SAT score, uh, and then your first name on your transcript. Mm -hmm. I like what you said, too, as somebody who used to be a high school counselor, it was kind of, let's just say, frustrating when I had worked really hard to get everything out before I went away for Christmas vacation or winter vacation. And then students were accusing me of not having sent things in because the colleges hadn't processed it yet. So go to the college first, say to the the counselor, I know you did this, but I just want to know if you could double check on it. Like, but don't assume that your counselor or your teachers haven't done their job. Just, uh, just Correct. kind of putting that plug in there. It, it's quite likely that the delay is actually on the college side. Certainly it was uh, when I worked at University of Chicago, it took us a few weeks because we had a lot of applications, you know, less so Whittier uh, still took a little bit of time. But, you know, our applications tended to, to come in kind of very staggered over time. So things got processed more quickly. So, um, nice. all right, great. So, in, so um, what else can students do? to sort of, um, what else should they be thinking about now beyond just waiting? Sure. Well, as the spring semester starts back up, and I use spring semester in the way that colleges do, I don't mean April and flowers, I mean after your winter break and you go back to school in January, don't feel like you're done. I know there's that that sense of, woohoo, I sent everything out, the colleges now won't see anything. I can party, my grades don't matter anymore. (laughs) Please do, I beg of you, keep your grades up. They still matter. If you end up being deferred from an early action candidacy or waitlisted, your grades are absolutely going to be considered. Your uh, first semester grades are often requested by the colleges. And that's probably the most important thing to do in terms of uh, your academics of where you can make a difference or at least not hurt yourself. At that point, you're not really changing the picture for the positive, but uh, you you could avoid a, a negative scenario where all of your grades plummeted and now all of a sudden colleges have to consider changing their minds. Um, so keep your grades up. School still matters. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I actually and don't have to tell... And don't energy on things that... What was that, Sally? 
Well, I just was going to say, I remember talking to an admission counselor from Yale yet who said that it had happened more than once that a student who had been slotted for admission, then when they got his most updated grades, ended up in the deny pile. So, you know, because suddenly the student's grades had dropped. Yeah. And I'm not talking about a drop, nor I'm sure were they from a B plus to a B, but from, you know, a B plus all of a sudden to a D minus, that's going to raise an eyebrow or two. But you know what, Kelly, mm-hmm. neither of us are talking about or rattling off a long list of things that students should be doing, like calling the school every week and jumping on your head and sending flowers and chocolates or, or anything like that. I, there is a great quote from the dean at UVA, University of Virginia, on their blog just recently, a few weeks ago, when their uh, decisions came out for students who applied early action. And they were giving advice as to what those students who had been deferred should be doing. And I will quote him. Don't waste energy on things we don't ask for. Focus on your schoolwork. So really take the school's advice. If you have been deferred and you're waiting now, or again, you're just waiting from a regular decision um, outcome, do not waste energy on the things that the colleges are not asking for or not looking at. Exhale, chill, enjoy, and focus on your schoolwork. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And do try and, yeah, this is not a process where you can control it every moment. Um, And yeah, as you said, waiting is really, really hard. Um, But I think, you know, from our, we had a little email exchange about this, and I really loved kind of how you, um, you know, one of the points that you made is that this is actually not all in the hands of the colleges. It may seem like they have all the power, but pretty soon, yeah. Um, they're going to kick that back to you. So what are what are your yeah. thoughts about that? Well, this is, I can't take full credit from this. This is something that I heard a former dean at Fordham once say, and I loved it. It stuck with me ever since, that when you said it feels like it's out of your control, it's not in your hands, it's all up to the colleges, there are actually three major questions that need to be answered in this process. One is, where will I apply? You've already done that. Like, woohoo, excellent. That's already taken care of. And that was entirely yours to decide. So that's one. Two is, where will I get in? Okay, granted, that one's not in your control. But fret not. Trust that you put together a balanced and thoughtful list when when you made this decision of where to apply. And you aren't going to have a lot of crazy, shocking outcomes. You're, for the most part, going to be able to guess what decisions are coming back your way. And and then there are going to be some uncertainties in there. But the reality is you're going to be getting back all kinds of good news if you put together a thoughtful list. So one, where will I apply? Totally yours to decide. Two, where will I get in? Not in your control, but you know what's coming-ish. And then three, where will I go? Okay, so come a few months from now, you're going to be getting all kinds of good news, and the ball is going to be back in your court. And then that's really when the tough decision gets to be made and the colleges are sitting there sweating, wondering who's going to accept our offer of admission. Is it going to be the right number of students at the right price at the right level of scholarships? Because they're then the ones who really have that tough job of figuring out exactly how many offers of admission to make for the number of beds that they have, for their budget that they have, at what discount rate that they were planning on. So out of these three important decisions, two out of Three of them are entirely yours to decide. So don't fret too much over this one piece of where will I get in? Because that's, at the end of the day, not the most important part of this whole process. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that's a great place to end this segment on. So thanks so much, Tova. Oh, Sally, you make it so easy. My pleasure. Anytime. <laughs> All right, we're going to take a short break. And when we return, I'll be talking with Kimberly Aselta about New Year's resolutions that will be helpful in the college admission process, as well as in life, of course. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. If you're a parent of a high school student, you've probably heard a lot of scary stories about college admissions, about the growing number of applicants, the shrinking number of spots, about how even valedictorians are being turned away. For families of hopeful college students, it's impossible not to worry. But at College Coach, we take the worry out. 
Our advisors are former senior admissions and college finance officers from all over the country, so they can give you advice that nobody else can about what classes to take, how to prepare for standardized tests, what options are available to pay for college, and most importantly, what admissions officers are looking for when they read an application. We've got more than 15 years of experience and a track record that's helped every single student get into college, most into their top choice schools. So make the decision to come work with College Coach and start your child down the road to the decision that really matters, the one in the envelope that says, yes. Visit www.getintocollege.com forward slash getting dash in. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Getting In, a College Coach Conversation. To reach Elizabeth Heaton or her guest today, please call in to 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to gettingin.voiceamerica at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back, everyone, and welcome, Kimberly. Welcome. Thank you, Sally. I'm glad to be here. Great. And I let me be the first one to tell you Happy New Year's, because even though we're taping this on the 18th, um, everyone else is going to be listening to this on the 2nd. So I'm just going to take advantage of that. Thank you. Happy New Year to you. 2020. Here we come. Exactly. All right. So and that the reason I did that is because, of course, we are talking about New Year's resolutions very explicitly on this one. You know, everybody kind of gets together. What are your New Year's resolutions for um, for the new year? And it was interesting when I was talking to Lori earlier, she said, I'm not a big one for keeping New Year's resolutions. And I'm kind of with her. Um That being said, I think it is a really good time to take stock and think about things that might be your goals for the year. So I do think that that part of it is like, don't don't do the same old goals that maybe you, you know, weren't able to keep from year to year. Let's think about this a little differently. So um, and I think that you've done that. I know that you sent me a nice list of things that you were thinking about for this segment. So why don't we dive right in? What about number, sure. what's number one on your list? Yeah, well, when I was thinking about uh, talking to you today about New Year's resolutions, I thought, well, how can we take the most popular ones and, and the ones that everybody sets on uh, December 31st, and then they're usually broken, right, by, <laughs> right. by the beginning of February. But I thought, let's look at what the most popular ones are, and I don't think anyone's going to be surprised by these, but how can we... Um, make them a little bit more in line with college admission and what we do in our work. So no big surprise here. When I Googled um, most popular (laughs) resolutions, number one was exercise more. Mm -hmm. So I immediately thought, well, there's a simple way to apply this to college admission. And whether you're a parent or a student, getting out there and actually visiting some schools is going, taking the official tour, right, which is usually walking around a campus for an hour, that's going to add some steps to your tracker. And that's a great (laughs) way to, to get your exercise in and get your steps in, but also to start thinking about this process. So for parents, to, to actually get back onto some college campuses. Um, I know when I went to visit my own alma mater a few years ago, it's different than when I was there. So these colleges are different than when we went to school. And for students, mm-hmm. actually physically getting onto a campus and seeing the community and the students and hearing about what these colleges are doing and their mission, that's a great way to start this process. It's also a great way for those seniors who have been admitted uh, to start thinking about going back and seeing the, they will see these colleges in a different light. Once you know that you're in and visiting for these admitted student days um, can really help to make that final decision. So exercise more, get out on these mm-hmm. college campuses, walk around, and track mm-hmm. your steps. Mm-hmm. And Hey, we're giving you permission to not go for an admitted student day. You don't even have to exercise when it's cold out. You know, you can wait until <laughs> April when they tend to have these student days. <laughs> so exactly. that's a plus too, so right? So maybe this is one that you can kind of keep 
for, you know, mid, you know, <laughs> when our resolutions start to kind of fall off a little bit, right? March and April mm-hmm. is a great time to go and visit college campuses. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right. So what about parents? What kind of advice might you give parents for uh, this process? So this is stretching it a little bit, I think. But I thought about um, exercising your listening skills as a parent um, to try to be a more active listener to, for, with your student, with your child. Um, this is a real turning point in your relationship with your child where usually, right, uh, I've got two middle schoolers and I'm doing a lot of telling um, of what needs to be done and what they need to do and what they should be thinking about. The college admission process changes that a little bit and parents need to start thinking and listening to their child. Um, what's going to be good for my student, right? What, what do they want? How do they feel about this process? Um, who is my child now? And, and maybe opening some dialogue and, you know, exercising those, those listening skills, exercising your ears, I guess, um, a little bit for parents was something I thought of for that one. Mm-hmm. I think that's great. And it actually kind of echoes something that Lori said, where, um, you know, she said, as a parent, it was really helpful to, like, have times when students could just vent, right? When it wasn't mm-hmm. about like, okay, you need to do this, you need to do that. Although she recommended limiting those to specific times too. But she said, also make sure that your kid knows they can just vent to you. Maybe they don't even want advice from you. They can just say like, I have these worries. I'm stressed about this. And just let them do it and just listen to them and affirm that they have a right to have those feelings. Um, I thought that was such good advice. So I don't care if yeah. it's not f- physical exercise. It is still, I think, a muscle that we all need to use more often. I agree. I agree. Okay. And so here's another one that I think most people, I, I'm not as fond of this one. I, I'm much more fond of the goals. Like I'm going to exercise more. I'm going to exercise two days a week or something like that, but lose weight. I'm not as fond of this one. I think it, it's much more commonly setting someone up for failure. Um, but, but how did you make it work within the college admissions, uh, you know, framework that we're using? Today? Yeah. So this was a big one. This came in as number two, right? Lose weight. So I thought, okay, so we're not thinking about the physical weight, but I think this um, this process adds a heavy burden, burdensome weight right onto the shoulders of our students and our parents. Um, so I thought lose the weight of the expectations of others. I think students really go into this process feeling um, the pressure of everyone else's expectations on them. Um, so kind of wiping that away, getting, getting rid of worrying about what other people think, what your peers think, what your teachers think, what your parents think, what your friends' parents think, what your, your great uncle who's going to be sitting at the holiday table with you is going to think, and really um, come back into yourself and really think about what is important to you, remembering that this is your process right? And you've got to kind of do what, you, what works for you. So sort of lifting the weight of that. Um, I know, Sally, you and I talk about this a lot um, in, in the work that we do, but also I think students and families um, sort of carry the weight of this college admission process and the outcomes as the overarching reward for the student's 17 you know, the short (laughs) lifespan of work that they've done. Um, And that gives this process too much power, right? So really thinking that the admission outcome is your reward for the work you've done or the parenting that you've done, let's lose that. And let's really focus on um, like the lessons that we learn, the experiences that we've had as the reward and not that Mm-hmm. large envelope that comes in the mail, right? Or that now is uh, emailed to you uh, uh, at a certain day and time with a decision decision. So that was mm-hmm. losing those expectations, which I think do carry a pretty lofty weight on, on students and families. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I actually had a student who was so, she got so tired of everybody asking her about the college process. And by the way, this student did great. She went off to Boston University, loved it, was really happy. Um, but she got so tired of it that she started telling people that she was going to DeVry, which is a for-profit institution. I would never make fun of of, of any, like, not-for-profit institution. Um, but she just, you know, she just picked a school that was so far outside of everybody's expectations for her that she she said it would just shut them down immediately. Yep. 
And I thought that is brilliant, you know, because what I've been telling students is you don't have to talk about this. Like you can honestly mm-hmm. just say, I'm not going to tell anyone until I decide where I'm going. You know, you don't have to answer these questions any more than, and this goes back with the theme, you have to tell people what you weigh. That's a, it's a private piece of information, but she was having trouble getting people to leave her alone. So she just came up with this answer that just, she said, everybody would just stop right there. Um, So, and I really like, it was kind of a snarky solution, but I just didn't blame her because this, this can feel so fraught for students, you know? Sure, sure. A lot of judgment out there, a lot of a lot of noise, right? A lot of uh, people, we, we call it the parent grapevine, right? A lot of uh, people who think they know <laughs> what they're talking mm-hmm. about, a lot of bad advice out there. So I, mm-hmm. when I'm working with families, usually say this is really the time where we kind of have to turn in, right? So a lot of times we're working out in our communities and, and you know, we're, we're thinking about what others are saying. We're using our networks. I think this is the time where we've got to kind of turn in and say, this is our insular family. This is what we believe. This is our philosophy. This is what we're going to do. And we're not going to care what everybody else is thinking. I think mm-hmm. that can really help in this process. Mm-hmm. I think that's brilliant. And you also talked about just kind of being careful of your sources and tuning out mm-hmm. the noise. And I think that's important too. Like not only do you not need to talk to other people about the process. Um, be careful of what you're hearing. It's remarkable how opinionated people can be who don't know anything about the process, <laughs> you know, like right. every one time I got, I, um, one time I, this was when I was a high school counselor. And, uh, so I was, I was in a meeting and of course there were a couple, I mean, I want to say like, I had a great experience as a high school counselor. I loved most, but you know, there were a few parents that just kept asking me sort of the same questions. And one of my colleagues raised her hand. She was actually a teacher and said, I'm sorry, did anybody else here work in admissions at the university of Chicago? I didn't think Mm. so. (laughs) Maybe we should listen to Sally. (laughs) It was sort of amazing. I mean, I thought, you know, I was just I was just trying to sort of be patient and answer the questions. Um, but, you know, there was clearly an undercurrent of like people were sort of saying things instead of just asking a question. They were saying, well, I heard. Well, I heard, you know, definitely questioning the things I was telling them. And, and it is sort of remarkable how confident people can be with just one source of information that is not a source that is qualified. You know, like, would you listen to. Um, health advice from like, would you automatically assume that because somebody else had a particular health concern that you had, would you assume that they actually knew more than your doctor about that particular health concern? Right. (laughs) I often think about that, right? Right. Just because we all do taxes doesn't necessarily mean that I'm going to take your advice over, you know, a tax lawyer or accountant. (laughs) Right, right. You can certainly say a friend told me about XYZ, how might that apply to my case? Totally valid question. But to say, well, that's wrong because is, uh, is, is just, let's just say it's an interesting choice and not one that we advise. Tune out, tune out the noise. (laughs) Tune it out, lose it. Exactly. 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 Um, All right. What else do we have? Yeah, number three is get organized. And if, as I look around my office and my house, um, that will be one of mine. But getting organized, I mean, the, the people who do this process well, right, the students who feel in control of the process, the parents who feel in control of this process in some way, I think are the ones who are more organized, right? And there's lots of ways to organize ourselves around this process. Um, sort of a little bit more broadly, I think Students should be thinking about, regardless of what grade they are in, um, how can I set some real attainable goals, some short-term goals, some long-term goals, goals that include my academics, whether that's I'm going to do really well on my finals, to I want to, by senior year, be in AP calculus, right? So, So setting some of those goals and some um, clear paths on how you're going to get to those goals. Um, not just academics, though. Personally, too, if there's a club that you'd like to join or something you'd like to start at your school, so extracurricularly, personally, um, setting some goals, writing them down, figuring out how you will attain those goals is a great idea. There's some more concrete things as we think about this particular process. So 
creating a testing timeline, right? All students are going to have to take some standardized testing at some point in this process. So being familiar with the testing dates, um, seeing what might fit for you, how you're going to prepare for those. And when I'm talking about testing, I mean, yes, SAT and ACT, but also subject tests and AP exams. So really thinking about how you might plan for that, um, not letting the testing sort of take over this process, but you kind of having control over it, knowing I'm going to take it twice and I'm going to take it on these dates um, can be helpful. Um, for juniors, those of you who in the 11th grade year as we move into the second half of 11th grade, starting to get, get organized and becoming familiar with you know, what are the applications that I might be filling out? What do they look like? Um, what kind of deadlines might I be dealing with for the schools that might seem interesting? What are their requirements? And writing these down, um, I use Excel or Google Sheets to kind of keep all of these things organized. Um, so that's going to make you at least feel in control of knowing what's coming down the pike. Um, and for parents, uh, too, I would do a shared document so that you know as well. I can't tell you how many times parents will come to me and say, what should we be doing now? When is this due? And what's the deadline we're working toward? And everyone could have a shared um spreadsheet or, or document that they can look at that everyone can update. I think that can be really, really helpful. And I actually did have Lori's idea in this one as well, kind of not letting this process take over your entire life. And as a parent, maybe thinking about setting a time each week that we're going to talk about where we're at in this process so that the admission uh, process does not take over your entire life. And every time you're alone with your child, this is what you talk about. But maybe saying, you know, Sundays at 6, we're going to do a check-in, and you won't hear from me the rest of the week if that check-in goes well, right? So kind of being organized around um, all of these things, I think, can, can at least make everyone feel like we're working toward our goals, and this process hasn't completely taken over our life. Mm-hmm. That's it's that's more important than I had realized. Um, I have a nephew who I'm going to be working on with the process. And because I think about this stuff every day, every time I saw him, I'd probably, I, you know, once he became a sophomore, I kind of would bring something up, you know, like I'd say, oh, how'd you do on your PSAT? Or I'd start asking him things. And what I didn't realize, like, luckily, he told me that it was really stressing him out. He didn't, he was fine to do the tasks. He's certainly a very hard worker in school, you know, takes very, very challenging courses and does well in them. But I had become a, a person he didn't want to see because every time he saw me, I was asking about this. And I just thought, how appalling. I want to I want to be the cool aunt, not the pain in the rear aunt. So Not the naggy um, one. Exactly. Exactly. So I, I apologized because I really felt like he deserved an apology for that. And I said, um, listen, I am going to have to talk to you about this again. But I promise I will only talk to you about this again in February. And, um, you know, we're going to set plans for this. And then in the meantime, you just don't need to worry about it. And he was like, all right. But it really like it did help because then when he saw me after that, he knew that I wasn't going to talk to him about it again until February or whatever date, you know, we had discussed. So, um, so yeah, I really can't stress that enough. And I'm just his aunt. So, you know, imagine if it's your parent who talks to you about it all the right, time. Right, so. for sure. You became the cool yeah. aunt again. Mm-hmm, exactly. Um, all right. What's the next one? So number four, learn a new skill or hobby. So to be clear, I don't think that students need to do something completely new in their, you know, in their high school years, but I think thinking about what you're currently doing, your activities, your clubs, your hobbies, your volunteer work, your sport, and maybe seeing if there is a way to become even more engaged in that activity. Can I take on a leadership position? Um, is there a way that I can be involved in a service project that has to do with my interest in this activity or club or sport, right? So kind of thinking about how I can improve um, maybe that skill or take it to the next level. Um, we say this all the time, right, Sally? Does you know, extracurriculars, there isn't a perfect extracurricular, extracurricular. There isn't one that we like more than another, but we really love when students dive deeply and commit deeply to the things that they really like. So following those interests, if you have a hobby, a passion, follow it. 
Um, and then think about how you might be able to make an impact with it in your school or in your community. I'd even say academically. There's an academic subject that you're really enjoying right now. See where, how you can do some more in-depth research. Stop and ask your teacher for some additional reading information. See if you can go for a summer program that might dive deeper into something that you've, you've found is, is a new interest. So what we love, right, in, in this application process is when a student has found something that they really connect with, so much so that they want to keep doing it. Uh, so really thinking about not necessarily learning a new skill or hobby, although you might, but how can you expand on the skill or hobby or passion that you already have. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That was number four. I mean, mm-hmm. Yeah. Like going, I mean, that's what I tell everybody every time I get on the phone with, with a client um, or in my like longer term relationships with the retail clients. Um, I'm always about like, let's build on what your interests are. And it, it is interesting, like how much people ask. I mean, almost everybody seems to ask sort of what is that activity that's going to get their student in. Uh, A lot of people believe that there is this magic pathway. So I just think that there's just, it really is important to emphasize that there isn't, but it really is all about what your student might enjoy doing. I mean, I, I, uh, you know, again, my nephew, he likes environmental science. So I was like, great, volunteer at the local aquarium, you know, consider volunteering at the Mm -hmm. local earth place, which is an an environmental education center nearby. Let's build on what you enjoy doing. Um, But yeah, let's take it up to the next level. I mean, for me, it's all about, I'm not trying to recreate you. I'm not trying to package who you are into somebody that you're not. But like, let's think about something that you're already motivated to do and think about how maybe you can just take it up to the next level. And honestly, you'll probably enjoy that. That'll probably end up being a really fun thing for you. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, Absolutely. And those make for really interesting applications. When you can see that a student found an opportunity within an area of interest, you're like, wow, look at that kid. How great is that? Student really loved cooking and was able to start a baking club for um, students at a you know, local daycare or something like that, right? I mean, that's just interesting that you're able mm-hmm. to see that opportunity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I had a student who he was really interested in rock and roll. He wanted to be involved in the music business. And I was like, you know, so I said, you can do something around this. And he ended up organizing a battle of the bands. Um, he It was held at our high school. This is back when I was a high school counselor at Chadwick School. And he invited um, bands from other high schools. So, I mean, everybody kind of thinks, well, how is rock and roll going to be related to college? But the leadership and the organizational skills required to do this battle mm-hmm. of the bands was really remarkable and said something about the level of, of you know, honestly passion that he, he had for this particular area. So right. I thought it right. was great. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So what's uh, what what else is um is on the list? All right. So number five. This is a pretty broad one. Live life to the fullest. I mean, who doesn't want to live life to the fullest, right? So okay, live the admission process <laughs> to the fullest. How can we do this? Um, so one of the things I think we've sort of been reflecting this throughout our conversation, but. I think when we were readers of applications and when we now work with students who are creating their applications, we have found that the most interesting students are the ones who have actually enjoyed some of their high school experience, right? I mean, not everyone's going to love everything about high school. Sally and I have been there before, right? We know it's not always easy, but... Mm -hmm. Hopefully, you've enjoyed something. You've enjoyed a class. You've enjoyed a teacher. You've enjoyed a club, an activity, a sport, um, playing in the marching band, whatever it was. You've really taken advantage of an opportunity um, and maybe done, you know, turned it up a notch, kind of like we were talking about with the with the last resolution. So, thinking about living your high school life to the fullest, um, taking advantage of the opportunities that are provided to you. That's just going to translate into you being just a really cool person um, with something to offer a college, and hopefully we'll be able to reflect that in an application. Um, for parents, um, I was thinking, oh, live life to the fullest. That can be tough. <laughs> There's so much that we need to do. Um, but one of the things I thought might be interesting is really sitting down with your student to create or establish you know, your family's philosophy around higher ed. I think that can help them 
um, really in the future understand why they're even going to college and what you want them to get out of that college experience. And hopefully that will you know, affect the rest of their life. Um, so maybe thinking about why are we even doing this? What are we hoping that you're going to learn, experience, um, you know, have in those four years? And then one that made me a little sad as I was thinking about the process, but there's so much stress that goes into this. But in a couple years, um, for those listening that have seniors now, in just a couple months, your student will likely be out of the house. Um, so really trying to enjoy the time that you have now together because before you know it, they're going to be off on their own. So uh, trying to enjoy that child that you have now, um, that young adult that you have now, and really living that the, the last couple of months, years that they have um, under your roof, um, hopefully, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. college so that they will fly and leave the nest um, is, is a good one with, with great memories. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I love, I love, um, we actually have to wrap things up now. So I'm just going to kind of reiterate sort of my favorite thing that I think maybe you've said this whole time, which is establishing a family philosophy about higher education. What is the purpose? Mm. What are we thinking about there? Obviously, I think for most people, you know, you want to be able to get a job that plays a role, of course, but hopefully there's other things too. And I think having that conversation with your child is helpful. Even if they're sitting there rolling their eyes at you, I think that they're actually hearing it and they are processing it. I've, I realize that working with high school students, sometimes I think they're not paying any attention. Um, and then they actually quote something back to me that I said, and it's very gratifying. So um, have the discussion anyway, I think. So, Absolutely. all right. Well, thank you so much, Kimberly. All right. Happy New Year. Let's see if we can yeah. stick to these. All right. And thanks to Lori and Tova as well. Um, But now I want to tell you about our show for next week. The finance segment will cover how not to take the first financial aid or merit scholarship that comes along um, because you might be able to get an even better package from a different school. So definitely check that one out. Our host, Elizabeth Heaton, will also be talking with a representative from the MBA uh, admissions consulting company, Fortuna, about how to determine if an MBA is right for you. And finally, I want to remind you that you don't have to listen to our shows live. Every show is accessible 24-7 on the Voice America website, and you can also download every show for free on iTunes. You can look through our archives for shows with topics like the College Board's new adversity score and the colleges that change lives. Um, If you want to find a particular topic, by the way, the easiest way to do it is to do a search on our website, which is getintocollege.com forward slash blog. We blog about every show there, so you'll be able to find the date, and there's actually a link to the show itself. And if you like our show, be sure to rate us on iTunes. It takes only a moment of your time and is absolutely free. And last, don't forget, we're here every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Pacific. So check us out. Thank you for tuning in to Getting In, a College Coach Conversation, hosted by Elizabeth Heaton. Please join us again next Thursday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a good week.